Welcome to the Shelter Footycast. Will Schofield, Mark Reddings, taking you through all the big stuff in the AFL of the week gone by and coming up ahead. Skeeter, we've got a Patreon now, mate. Are you excited? I've never heard the term Patreon, but I'm on board with you, Scoey. If you take me to the promised land, I'm there. VIP content, discounts, and much more. Backchatstudios.com.au to sign up as a VIP. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. That is the sweet, sweet sound of the Southern River Band, who I believe were headlining the Freo ACDC Festival down uh, down at the Freo. So Mark McGowan getting a photo with Kel from the Southern River Band. So all big things happening down there. Welcome to the Shelter Footycast live from Backchat Studios. Yes, I'm in a beanie. Skeet's in his usual Monday attire, which is a suit and RMs, <laughs> I'm assuming. Uh, Skeeter, good to see you. Hello, Scoey. Yes, yeah, you've had a, a, a quiet night. First time you, I can recall in our friendship that you've gone to a concert and haven't come back the next day polax which that, is really nice i think showing respect for your daughter who's babysit babysat both our kids not rolling in at 4 a.m <laughs> no i got home slim jim and the fats oh no not slim jim and the fats who was it <laughs> fat boy slim who is slim jim he's and the fats? a very prominent band uh, james oh, laughing got no idea he's a, you're the wrong demographic but he used to do a lot of uh, pub shows and um, did my actually year twelve graduation? A good rock and roll band. Did your year twelve graduation? They still go yeah. How Jamie long ago was that? A long time ago. <laughs> but anyway, well, what, if you were a West Australian growing up in this uh, this mm. environment for a long time, you'd know. But anyway, how was Fat Boy Slim? Yeah, Fat Boy Slim. It was actually really good. Cold? No, it was no. I was rugged up. It was it was good. A lot of dancing. The, the mosh pit was quite. Friendly, like there was no well, dickheads rolling around. Well, probably good. friendly because they're all sort of they're not, not uh, taking anything before they go in there, are they? Uh, well, I don't, well, <laughs> I don't know. There's quite a police presence at the front door. Um, no, it was actually a bit of an older crowd because yeah. Fatboy Slim. Imagine, young. I mean, you do know who he is. I, I know, do, you t- I know so that is saying must mustn't be too new age if you know what's going on. Mate, I did a carpool karaoke with the Waffle State Boys, and they had Cardi B and the you did what WAP song came out. Don't worry, we were involved with that, and well, you'll get a look at that as part. Of the oh, it's going to be embarrassing. Ladies and gentlemen, there may not be a show here on the Shelter Footy Guys Thursday if Mark Reddings is rolling around Perth doing carpool karaoke. Yeah, I was the James Corden, which is not a good look. Did you uh, sing? Oh, I did sing. How did How'd sing. you go with Cardi B? I Pretty didn't well. know Cardi B. I knew Wet some of the ass, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Yeah, Jack Jack Buller from Claremont, Luke Meadows from West Perth, uh, Lee Kitchen who fancies himself on the microphone wow. as well, um, and uh, Angus Shoemaker from East Perth. I was say, so, Hamish Brayshaw didn't make it in there. No, did he? he didn't. But uh, Shoey said, look, he should have been part of that uh, entourage, like a boy band gone wrong. So you know, so we had a bit of fun. We had a bit of fun. Eminem was playing, and the boys. Oh, <laughs> that's geez. very good. I sang Suspicious Minds. Well, we okay. I can't wait to tune into that. Uh, you can follow us over at Shel- uh, socials where I will have highlights of that going up on our socials. Shelter Footycast. Footycast at shelterbrewing.com.au is our email. We've got some emails to get to at the back end of this show. The Thirsty Camel Clanger of the Week. The, today, Skeeter, don't run out of your favourites. Grab your shelters at Thirsty Camel. Um, I want to start with this one from yesterday. Both you and I called the game uh, from the 6PR studios. Sydney Collingwood it was a good game yep. uh, to start with. 
we could hear on the coverage the booing of Lance Franklin. I know, uh, look, I, t- I talk it down a fair bit because my view on this is if you pay your money, um, you can pretty much do as you like as long as it's respect. And so I, I, we came up with a bit of a good example yesterday on the show around, well, how do you draw the line? I think it's a similar line that the players have to follow. So the players, it's pretty much fair game out there when you when you're on the lip to other players, but you got to respect uh, religion. So it's not fair game. It right. is, it is, no, no, there's it, parameters now. There's a lot more parameters than 30 years but ago. But it is fair. Yeah, well, okay. Well, that's a good thing. But it is fair game. Uh, you know, sex, race, religion, the the you know constitutionally protected rights of people, you can't disrespect those. But you can call someone a shit kick. You can, you can call them bald. You can, all of that stuff. Like, you know, I, I think that's fair game. And you can boo them and put them off and you can do that so I'm happy with that well, I like the sledge from Brett Voss to, to Michael Voss hey as he's lined up for goal my dad slept with your mum <laughs> I like that see that's still fair game that's I mean, brilliant that's oh, two that's brothers clever. going at it right but uh, the, the Franklin stuff I don't. I asked a question on Twitter like, what, are we, what are we booing for here what's, what's I don't on? understand and I, I can't work it out Buddy didn't to our eye do anything wrong in the game I know he's had a couple of MROs and been suspended over the journey but I just, just can't, I can't work it out. I can't understand why he was booed. At, at you know, and some people saying it's racial. I don't believe that to be the case. Yesterday, I I think they're booing the fact that he's a great player and he plays for Sydney, and and it's sort of lowest common denominator stuff. I don't agree with it. Is it right? No. They were booing Papley at stages as well. well Papley, so. But Papley agitated with Nick Nick Dacos. There's, there's, there's a bit 70, of history there. There's seventy thousand people at the yeah. MCG. Seventy two thousand. Probably 60,000 of those are Collingwood supporters. So it's definitely a mob mentality. And Papley is the sort of player that makes you, if you're a passionate, emotional supporter. I can see why they boo him. I can't see why they boo Buddy. No, but like if you think about Tom Papley, right? You look at him and he's agitating, he's carrying. Like Buddy Franklin, yes, he's a champion of the game, but he's the guy that can take that victory away from you. So I don't know. I'm not trying to justify it, but I do sit on the side of. I'm okay with booing. If you want to do that, I'm not a booer. I'm not a booer. You're a booer. No, no, but uh, I've never well, been to a game and booed someone. But, but I so can understand. So you got issues like even Nathan Buckley when he was um, coach at Collingwood. Scotty Penabry won the medal. Uh, Eston fans booed. Do, are we are we happy with that sort of stuff? Well, you can you can do whatever you like in life. You don't have to. be But we happy don't. We with, don't put it, I don't think we should be saying, "Oh, this is great." I mean, we're certainly not something that think this is no, this is great I'm for not, the game. But but like we can't also be the moral police no, no, on people. We, no, you can't. We won't be able to stop it. Yeah, correct. If, yeah. So if, if it gets momentum and and the more people like you and me or whoever the AFL says we don't want you booing Buddy you can bet your bottom dollar and he goes back to they're Melbourne not, they're, putting, they're not putting the boo police out in, out in the no, you know, no. stands and but it wasn't racial but it was weird yeah really weird uh, what about Nat Fife's return it was good to see him back out there on a West Australian side of things yeah he was good and I think he picked a perfect game to come back where Fremantle's dominating free yeah I mean soft kill um, yep. Fremantle good um, 69 points and he I think he showed us he showed us exactly what he can do, and that's uh, with a bit of time and space able to create a nice snap. And I think the only issue that we still can't work out is why he can't to have a set shot for goal with any any confidence. And that that clearly has been an issue for a while now. And I'm not sure how he solves it. If he's going to become a f- permanent forward for the next, if he plays on next year, for instance, then that's the question. I can you know clearly I can accept it, but I can understand I guess what he's saying. We've heard him speak about it publicly now that he's had. You know, mental struggles with being in front of goal and the pressure associated with that and the build-up of, hey, I've missed them before and what happens if I keep missing them and it turns into a thing for him? I can understand it. But 
I also feel like someone needs to grab him by the jumper and be like, mate, you've, you've won two Brownlow medals. You're the best player in the country by a long way. I understand you've been injured, but you're a leader of this team. Like it's, you, you clearly have the mental capacity and strength to will yourself to do things that no people can. That's what good players do. You know, that's what Brownlow medalists are. They're mentally stronger than other players. Like that, that yes, okay, there's talent, but the Brownlow medal players are the most consistent. They can rock up every week and do it every week. And it's mental. Like that's what makes them a step above anyone. So it's not like he, he's this inconsistent guy. He's He's been the most consistent. So Yeah, I'm, but having said that, look, we've seen Brownlow medals apart from five. I mean, Paddy Dangerfield hasn't always been a great set shot for goal. Talking about this, I mean, Paddy Cripps, not, you know, in the top four or five in the comp. Danger's um, not a good kick either, though. No, no. But going back to Nat Fife, I mean, is it... I mean, I just watched someone like Jai Amos, who has a, a, a bit of a unique set shot routine. But yeah, it's a it's a short, elongated... But he seems to have a, a nice rhythm, whereas and Nat I can't pick anything that he does wrong. Is it the ball drop? Anyway, I'm not sure... You think it's mindset. I think it's there must be a little technical flaw there somewhere. I'm not sure whether how much work he does. Well, he it. said it's mindset. He said it. He's literally said that, that it's mental. Yeah. We well, interviewed him about well, it. He, he can't be mentally fatigued on the weekend because he wasn't out there long enough. No, I'm serious. No. So, so uh, yeah, it's a good question. I'm not sure the answer. But either way, good to see him back. He uh, he just gives them that uh, a bit of life. And as I say, it was a good get match for Fremantle just to get the cobwebs out and, and dare I say it, against a team that uh, he's going to finish bottom four. Justin Longmuir is uh, the coach of the Fremantle Footy Club. Very close relationships with... West Coast Eagles forwards. He was a forward coach at West Coast for a long time. We've seen Lacroix down there. If I see Josh Kennedy or Mark Lacroix down there teaching Nat Fife how to kick goals, one, I'll spew up, but two, it wouldn't be the stupidest things Freo's ever done. You haven't heard any mail on that front? No, I haven't. That is complete and utter shit talk by me. <laughs> Not, not even, not, not even. You sounded so authoritative. There's, no, there's I mail. just. I, when you were speaking, I was like, "Well, who could you get down there? You talk about Joe Amos. You're not going to have him teach Fifey, but, no. but who could you have down there? I mean, probably put in a call. I mean, Mark Lecrae and Josh Kennedy, from my, you know, from my point of view, like especially Lecker, but Beautiful. Josh. I mean, Josh Kennedy can kick goals too. Both technique-based guys. Like, I don't know. Well, 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 no, he's been used there before. You're right. I, you, you could do worse things and have either of those guys have a chat to the guys. Totally. And, and all that can happen out of that is, is positives. Maybe, maybe we just came up with a really good idea here, Skeeter, and maybe it happens. If it did, you heard it here first on the Shelter Footycast. Uh, Jai Cully does his ACL. That's confirmed. It's shattering news for a kid that you know picked up in that mid-season draft last year, um, You know, touted as a real top-end draft pick for West Coast this year. He wasn't in the side to start the year, but has found his way in there, and it kind of looked like that you know, he was probably going to start getting a lot of a lot of mid minutes, and he's going to be out for twelve months. Really disappointing for the kid. Yeah, I asked this question yesterday, and it was just a hypothetical, and I'm also about the situation the Eagles are in with their list. Is there any pressure on the club, given the need to rebuild and, and regenerate, that Jai Cully, and, and seems really harsh and cruel to say this, that he might be delisted off the back of this. I don't think it'll happen, but would there would that be a discussion that he's had or you think, no, do your rehab, we're keeping you full stop? This leads me into the thirsty, my thirsty camel clanger of the week, Skeeter. Don't run out of your favourites. Grab your shelters at thirsty camel. I find it, um, and now this isn't based at you, it's more broad, and, and, I, and I think there's a couple of specific examples I can use, but 
the discussion around list decisions when a team's going poorly, right? Which is West Coast right now. Hawthorne is another one, you know, tanking starts getting thrown around. We're so conditioned as an industry, and I'm talking about media, to overreact to things. And you and I have fun in here and talk about different things. And I think we keep it pretty balanced. The, the, the chats around list decisions at West Coast, like sometimes a borderline embarrassing. I saw one last night on the internet. You can go and find who wrote it because I'm not going to name them. But um, Jack Darling should be dropped and play one short. Play one short. I mean, okay, Jack's not in good form. I can say that. Anyone, anyone can say that. He's not doing well. But is he playing a role that's allowing Oscar Allen to be one of only two players in the competition that have kicked multiple goals? Maybe. I mean, Oscar could just be doing that by himself. He's an absolute star. He and Jeremy Cameron, of course, the only two players in the competition to have kicked multiple goals every game they've played this year. Jack's not in good form. But go and say drop him and play one short. Was it a flippant cop? Was it something Well, like maybe. That? maybe but I think it might have been tongue in cheek. Okay, so that's sure. one example. But then, yeah, correct. But then... Yeah, you look at throughout, take calls on radio all weekend. You've got to cut everyone on the list. You've got to get rid of Rotham. You've got to get rid of Zave O'Neill. You've got to get rid of West. You've got to get rid of Shuey. Can't play McGovern. Get rid of Yo. They don't play Nananui. But what, you can't cut 15 players from West Coast list. I know that they need to improve, clearly. But you need to have a balanced view on it because you can't just get rid of 15 and go to the draft with 15 draft picks. That's not how it works. And I don't really think that they have a lot of trade value there. And you're not going to trade Oscar Allen, who's, who'd be your best player and the most valuable. You're not trading him. But you still need to look to, at, at all these options. Of, of course and, you And, and trade-wise, and we discussed this. Can't I, they list your whole team? Though. No, I, I get that. But there are certain players that, in, in my and probably yours and the club would already know this, that they're probably not going to be there in 2024. Be it through um, age, in Shannon Hearn's case, which is, I think, most likely he'll retire. I mean, surely he'll retire at the end of this year. Well, I don't know. I don't know if that's a lay down Mazair because, like, if you get rid of a Shannon Hearn, um, you've got decisions to make on these guys that haven't been able to get on the park. Shannon Hearn plays every still, week. And he's right. reliable. He still gives guidance. So, okay. That, so that's so you, may, you may look at him as a coaching playing role. And maybe he doesn't play as many games as he's played this year, but he's going to play almost every game this year if he continues on the way he's going. So, you know, it does moving him on, um, or is it better to pay him half his wage, get him to coach? Uh, the back line and play 10 games than it is to keep a such and such on a list. Yeah, well, I'll name some names. Guys that have been, I mean, Foley, O'Neill, um, Clark, just to name three, Rotham's been mentioned on the weekend, had a moment in, inside Which who the, gives a shit, seriously? Just, but, but that gets highlighted, I get on awesome. social media. But the players that are obvious, that stand out, what's their future? That's the question mark when you finish 16th, 17th, which right? Is, which has to happen. Yeah, of course. Trade-wise... They are limited. I threw up Liam Ryan to you yesterday, which um, he seems very much, you know, a WA guy who who needs to be around his family. That's Touch my wood. gut feeling. Yeah, I don't think that but, will happen. Yet. No, no. But who do you trade? Of? And you can't just give up a, a mid um, talented player in terms of in terms of a trade type. You can't my, give my, up a mid range player. My opinion is you don't need to panic because clearly they don't have they don't going well. They need to go to the draft. They need to get high end talent in, which they haven't done in five more than five years. They haven't had. Big batches of high-end talent. When I came through the footy club as a, as a young kid, we had three, four drafts of high-end guys come in, and we grew that group together, played in grand final, played in a premiership, and it took 10 years. You don't just you don't just flip the list in one week. Oh, sorry, and one And one week, but one year. You don't go from being, you know, I know Collingwood's done it, but they didn't 
get rid of 20 players. They've, they've consistently brought people in. They made a couple of tough calls, if you can remember, with Jaden Stephenson and Adam Trelaw and a couple of others about three years ago. But they didn't get rid of 10. You're going to have them make a couple of hard decisions. Yeah, that's but- right. Well, that's a, you made a really good point there. The Trelaw one, Collingwood made, and, and look, they're top criticized. of the table. Criticised big time, and Collingwood supporters as well. Is I'm not sure there's any one that, at the Eagles, at the moment, I mean... Tom Barris. I mean, trying to think of someone who's he's going to be a captain of the footy club. So he's that's not what getting No, that's what I'm saying. The, the A-list players, Tom Barris, uh, Oscar Allen. There's, there's just not someone there that I go. Well, do you roll the dice and, and offer him up as a trade to get the more high end draft picks? Um, but again, that that will increase the pain you go through as a club in the short term. My thirsty camel clanger of the week goes to the media in general. I think we need to have a more balanced view. Don't need to throw everyone out on the bin. Just can have a balanced, uh, uh, structured approach, and they need to get high-end talent in. That doesn't mean trade your whole list. It may mean trading one, maybe two players, but that's it. You're probably going to delist a normal amount of players, to be really honest. like there's, there's a, You have to have a minimum of three changes a, a year. There's usually about five or six, including rookies, probably seven. Probably going to hit the same number, West Coast. So don't don't worry. You're not going to have a brand new team next year. I don't think it should be. Uh, Will Schofield, Mark Reddings, Shelter Footycast. Let's get into the review of the West Coast and Fremantle game. Skeeter, start with Richmond defeating West Coast by 46 points. This one was, I don't know if it was tighter or, or further out than people thought. West Coast hit the lead halfway through the third quarter. Uh, and... You know, from what I saw, they were competitive. Their contested ball numbers were up. They were putting pressure on the Tigers. I mean, let's be frank, as you've said repeatedly, Richmond aren't seeing the world on fire. But at the G, you know, Richmond is notoriously a difficult side to beat. So look, from what I saw up until halfway through that third, they had wrestled momentum. So Richmond had it for stages. West Coast had it for stages, but it was still tight. They hit the lead. And then they lost it properly, the momentum. Prestia kicked three goals. In about that, five minutes. Yeah. And that's the difference between a good team and a bad team, but a team with no experience. Being able to stop those moments of big goal run-ons, that wins and loses your games. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the numbers also stacked up the first quarter aside. Uh, Territory-wise, Richmond really lived a lot more in the Eagles' um, back half than than the alternative, and I think 63 inside 50s to 45 off the top of my head. It was pretty lopsided at the end of the day. So yeah. with that sort of supply, I think if you get over 60 inside 50 looks in the course of a game, you're entitled to win the match, um, yeah. particularly when your opposition gets 45. So the margin, I think we're expecting about that sort of um, gap between the two. Blew out a little bit late. It did. Um, when I say it was a vanilla loss, it was a it was one that Adam Simpson took really, really uh, strongly because of the, the the Jai Cully factor, so yeah, he was he was pretty flat. Oh, the second quarter again, they 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 seemed to have an issue being able to. I mean, well, they didn't get blown away on the scoreboard, but yeah, Richmond. That's when they took control in the second quarter. Um, but yeah, well, it was it was it wasn't a horrendous loss, and it's the type of defeat that at least Adam Simpson can look in the mirror and, and say, look, the boys, um, they had a crack. What about this one? Oscar Allen kicked multiple goals. Yes. Uh, right, every game he's played. Kicked his first goal not from a set shot. It'll snap game. in the pocket. Yeah, so that was his first for the year. That wasn't a set shot. Every other goal from a set shot. And we speak about the technical side of set set shots for goal. He he's just about got it down pat. I mean, you think if he must see Todd Marshall does it beautifully for Port. Certain play, he just has a lovely rhythm with his run up. And if you're kicking for someone to win you a match for the Eagles at the moment, obviously 
he's the guy that I think the trust factor is pretty high. And he's how good is he? He's playing oh, the worst side worst, of the competition, close to the worst side, and he's you know he's got twenty plus goals, Coleman Medal. He's not going to win it because can't probably because of inside fifties, inside fifties. But gee, it's been a really and forget the fact what he's doing this year. He had twelve months off and come back and do what he's doing. Yeah. They just need to keep him. If there's any danger of him. If there's sore spots, you know, just got to make sure he's he's your long-term project because <laughs> he's the bubble boy. Don't let him play with George Costanza. You thinking about Oscar Allen just rolling into the room with a bubble? Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> Although when I see Oscar Allen, all I see is that vision of him, uh, the picture of him with a big jacket walking in. He's a smooth-looking operator when the he gets dressed up. The bubble boy. Why did you touch the bubble boy? <laughs> okay. Uh, now, Taranto, not in the top 150 players in the competition oh. of course to Kane Corns I don't I don't hate it by Kane I don't hate a lot of things he says to be really honest because I know what he's doing so what is um, he doing well Hardwick called him out on it and um, Kane Corns and, and Hardwick of course premiership teammates yeah. so it was an interesting war of words but again that's what like Kane wants that but so, why what does he want I mean if, if I'll well, put it like, this way let me put it from a journalist point of view if I'm listening to Will Schofield Matthew Lloyd um, Lee Spurk Glenn Jakovic I want to hear what you think and and your 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 tactical nous, your experience and and your history in the game, more so than oh, Scully. I'm just I'm, I'm hearing Scully. Yeah, this is all he's doing here is trying to get a reaction. I, so, no, I don't no, want no, that. So that's not what he's doing. So what's he doing? What, this, well, Champion Data had Taranto ranked at one twenty. One twenty. So I mean, he's just he's just stretched out by thirty players, which is pretty much two players in every team. It's not like he's not going from twenty to one fifty. I think he's saying that Taranto hasn't lived up to the hype that he was traded in as, and I don't disagree with it. So all he's doing is stretching the truth a little bit to get people talking. I, I, you can't tell me there's many journalists in the land that's just straighty 180, what I say is fact, there's no mayo, no mustard, no nothing on it. There, there's no one. Mate, not even Mark Rennings is, can, can stand by that. You just ham things up a little bit. But his, and, numbers, his numbers are okay. So that's what, Yeah, I know. His numbers are okay. Well, the champion data ranking things that people use them as as systems to rank players, and he was at one twenty for before this weekend. So Taranto comes out and has thirty and kicks two, best game for the club probably, and just goes, "How about them, Kane?" Look, all I'm saying is, his job is to get people talking. Now, I don't think many things he says is so outrageous, but he has reasons. So that's why I can respect it. Do I agree? Certainly not. But no. I, don't, I don't have to agree. No, no, I would say I totally get the media industry and he's what he does. But um, he's not. He's not. He, all I'm saying he's not calling out. Um, you know, Buddy Franklin and saying he's the worst player to ever play. Like he's saying Tim Taranto traded in at a high draft picks. Richmond got rid of them. Richmond are now going poorly. Taranto comes in. Uh, he's he's hasn't played you know inc- like amazingly. He's ranked at one twenty in the competition. He's basing it off that. He's seen that. He goes, all right, well, I'll have a crack. If I said, oh, I don't have him in that one one nineteenth player, and then you look at it, and he's like one twenty. He's like, okay, but he said, oh, I'll just push him back to one fifty. I can see what he's done. That's fine. No, no problem with it. Anyway, Richmond win. Uh, we both pick uh, Richmond. We both at Richmond, and I still don't think they're any good. Um, virtue of the injuries they've got, but that they, that they are a side that. Let's be honest, they are just going at the moment and they would have ripped down Punt Road on uh, well, today mm. if they were beaten by the Eagles. And they were they were challenged, but the Eagles, as you said, didn't have the experience, didn't have the class and uh, a regulation victory. Just like Optus Stadium would have been burnt to the ground if Hawthorne had have defeated Fremantle, which they did not. They uh, they got spanked 69 points in the end to Fremantle. Um, 
Does this mean Freo's back? No, but yeah. uh, sometimes, in, in, in commentary, when you, you at the game, a soft kill like that, and Hawthorne, uh, look, they're on a trajectory, which is a rebuild, we know that, and mm. they've got some work to do. And defensively, um, they, were, they were just poor at times, killed on turnover. And the Dockers, it was a type of win, I think, to maybe kickstart their season. Luke Jackson plays his best game for the club. Um, seven tackles, 24 disposals, two goals. Andy Brayshaw, 34-2, and two, I think it was. They're the two players. Brayshaw's had a bit of a knee, mm. which he said uh, recently. He's, the pain's gone, so he's playing well uh, off the back of that. He, his numbers went horrendous by any means. But I thought Luke Jackson was really encouraging to see him play a bit in the ruck, play forward, play in the mid. And he had a bit of space. And the pressure valve was lifted, you felt, with Freo. Their highest score under Justin Longmuir. Yep. Um, 2019 was the last time they kicked a score that high. And in fact, go back to round 17 last year, they kicked 111 points against St Kilda at Marvel Stadium. They won that game comfortably. So nice to see them kick a, a score on a night where, of course, the Starlight Foundation, the kids were, were uh, front and centre. But uh, yeah, you, do I, can you declare them back? I don't think no. we, can, we can give them that. That luxury just yet? No, no, I can't. I mean, they're playing against a side in Hawthorne. Um, it was the first time since 2008 that the Hawks played a game without a premiership player in it. I thought wow. that was an interesting sale yeah. in Hawthorne. They're clearly in a rebuilding phase. Look, what I was impressed from Fremantle, I you know, can't call them back after one game because I said I was off them, not picking them again until they win. So they got Sydney this week. And then Geelong Sydney. and Melbourne. So I'm probably going to stick by my, to be honest, I think Sydney will beat them in Sydney next week. But what I did like is their ball movement that they tried to adjust the week before against Brisbane, that it didn't quite work in slippery conditions against Brisbane at the Gabba. It worked against Hawthorne because Hawthorne allows that type of play, the open, freewheeling play through the middle of the ground, uh, taking it on. I thought O'Driscoll's run was back and better. There were certain players that were back. Rather than Freo being back, Brayshaw back, Jackson back, O'Driscoll I was really impressed with. You know, he's missed a lot of time, so you forget about how much they sort of needed him last year. Um, Peel had a good win in the waffle, but that Will Brody was, of course, dropped. Which yeah, I found that's, that's interesting, isn't quite it? Quite strange. But yeah, I think those players benefited from, I think, uh, the lack of pressure applied by Hawthorne, which they haven't really been afforded much this year. So, But sometimes, Scoey, those victories you know, just engender a bit of confidence and belief and, and the vibe of the club. So, look, putting a positive spin on this... Fremantle's been declared probably the the biggest underachiever this year. Well, they're playing a side who are on the same amount of points this week, 12 points, made a grand final last year, may, has slipped down through injuries, whatever you want to call it. They have been disappointing as well. So uh, in that category, they're, they're, 11th, they're 12th, Sydney 11th. So, you know, there's another club that they're facing this week that's got a few issues as if, well. If we're talking about journos and people in the media, you know, you talk about Kane Corns before and said people want to listen and I think the Sydney thing may be the only thing I got right this year. I did say that. A couple of people slide. said Sydney would slide, but you okay, said that great. as well. Okay, great. I was just trying to credit myself. No, you know, I'll give you the, the, the okay. you know, I said Richmond would also tumble, but we're both right <laughs> very rarely, but that's one. You know, you've said Sydney or Gonski and they are. Very good. Uh, that is the Freo game. I think they are improving. Um, they'll need to beat Sydney to be back. If they beat Sydney, I'm saying they're back. If they beat Sydney and they can win one of the next two, which is Geelong or Melbourne. Who, who out of those two is more winnable? Who's, who's here? Geelong Geelong's here. here. They just don't beat Geelong here. Um, well, they got them in Geelong last year, playing a lot better footy. Um, it's a tough, that's a uh, tough three weeks. I think Geelong out. here, more chance than Melbourne at the MCG myself. Yeah, Melbourne at the MCG is a tough ask. I think you're, the, you're right. Um, there we go. Uh, that's the West uh, West Australian side of things. Will Schofield, Mark Redding, Shelter Footycast. 
might have to whip through these. Uh, by the way, who'd you select in the Fremantle Hawthorne game? Oh, uh, here he is. Yeah, here he is. I actually picked Hawthorne as my roughie of the you week. Do, why did you submit that now, a little spiel? Do you want me to? Do you want me to just clip you right now? Because I, <laughs> because the only one I got wrong was the roughie of the week. Got eight out of nine. Skater. So I got eight out of nine. No, you didn't. Not here. You didn't. Well, no, no I only got this one. This is this is like playing. Puparama. Well, it is really yeah. the tipping because we got to tip roughies of the week. Okay. Well, I would have got nine then. You got nine. You tip. Do you tip on Friday night Brisbane? Did you? Yep. Okay. We got nine and nine. Well yep. done. Yep. <laughs> you got seven, mate. I got eight. Well, well done, mate. You got eight. You didn't get all, all right like I did. What do I get for getting them all right? You get to sit there like a knob and just keep talking. <laughs> Brisbane defeat Carlton <laughs> by Friday. Happy to do that, Skeeter. 26 points. Your uh, clanger of the week, uh, thanks. <laughs> your clanger of the week, thanks to Thirsty Camel, is it's, right here in this game. It, well, I'm not sure if it was during the game, after the game, when all the journos were sitting there writing their copy, but there's been a lot of things. There was an elephant at Arden Street going back in the 70s. An elephant. You, you must have seen the vision at Arden Street. What, on the ground? On the ground. with Someone was riding the elephant, of course. This is the day. <laughs> this was in the era when elephants were welcomed at grounds at AFL. <laughs> Imagine the VFL. How dangerous that was. An elephant. It was galloping. Oh, have oh, a look at the vision. I've never seen it. The I'm, galloping, not galloping, galloping gasometer who was uh, McNolan. It was an elephant. So this wasn't an elephant at Marvel Stadium, oh but God. it was... Now, I'm pretty sure it now I don't think it was a dingo. I'm pretty sure it was a fox. Really? A fox at Marvel Stadium. So I'm not sure if they're attracted by lights, by rats, by what it is, but there was a fox. You've seen the picture. You know I'm right. This is the clangor of the week from those <laughs> Who's uh, responsible? animal security at Marvel. <laughs> Where's it coming? It's in the middle of the city. But Marvel Stadium's in the middle Docklands. of the city. There's a fox right running around the Docklands. Are they dangerous foxes? Oh, I can't imagine you want to meet one of them back alley somewhere but did you see the picture yes so I'm, I'm, I'm correct this is a clanger thirsty camel clanger of the week don't run out of your favorites grab your shoulders <laughs> at thirsty camel who's the clanger to though well it's uh, the, the animal security the staff at at the ground not, not stopping fox because we saw the pig at uh, scg you must have seen that one <laughs> seen that one with plugger yeah so the pig the elephant um we've what seen plenty of dogs get onto the ground the streaker, but not a fox. The, the lady streaker going helen demarco yeah, that yeah. was in the early grand final in 1980 81 when uh, she went up to bruce Dool and and uh, flying doormat. Yeah, he wasn't like impressed about having no. a couple of uh, bazookas <laughs> in his face. So he said, "Get away, sweetheart." <laughs> Let's get into the game. There you go. There's the clanger of the week. Uh, Brisbane defeat Carlton at home uh, for Carlton. That yeah, is. Yeah. Um, oh, what? No, no. That was Brisbane. Far, in fact, the first first half they, they their midfield was outstanding. Josh I've Dunkley. Got to say, Josh Dunkley yeah. stopping Paddy Cripps won the footy. Tackling was outstanding. Um, he should be getting the three Brownlow votes for what he did. But Brisbane are playing some good footy. Um, Defended well. Yeah. Kerno didn't kick his nine this week. No, nah, never looked like it, actually. No. So, no, they, they were really complete. As you say, Josh Dunkley was terrific. And, um, I mean, Charlie Kerno curtailed, as you said. Harry Mackay didn't get into the game. In fact, they were very disappointing, Carlton. And, and the, the question marks keep building on them against Adelaide. They were disappointing against Brisbane. They haven't shown up. That, the, their victories this year, you look now and you go, wow, they actually haven't done a lot against quality opposition, to be brutally honest. And... If you're talking about a team that's vulnerable inside the eight, that's them. Yeah, and they haven't made that jump like uh, Adelaide St Kilda Essendon has, even though those sides have, you know, had some losses over the past few weeks. Carlton's out of that realm of teams that have, you know, tried to jump up out of that eight, and only you know traditionally two jump up, and Carlton's not in that mix right now. No, well, Michael Voss watched the press conference post match, and he was happy with the effort, but the execution. Uh, the turnovers, they, they just killed them, and, and you saw that throughout the course of the night. Brisbane's a good side. Brisbane is a good side. And, look, I think I was 
clouded a bit by what they produced against the Bulldogs at Marvel early in the year, but they'd won six of their past seven against Carlton, so they've and they've, they've record at Marvel's pretty good, so it's the MCG they need to get on and yeah. play some good footy. But that that for like they don't play two matches there this year. But no, they were good, and as you say, Dunkley to to do what he did to Paddy Cripps, like he's been a really good. You talk about getting a, a trade in player, he's yes. been probably the most valuable in the competition. Yeah, thirty three touches, eleven marks, thirteen tackles, six and a lot of fantasy points, which, six intercept yeah. possessions. Yeah, but with the no, I'm not. But I've heard there's a lot of fantasy points for him. Five hundred fifty meters gained, uh, outstanding. By I think that's his best game for the club so yep. far. Brisbane on the upward trajectory, Carlton on the downward slant. Geelong defeat Adelaide by twenty six points. This game was closer than I thought. Down in Geelong. Adelaide are good to watch. I'll, I'll start with that. I like watching them. The way they play, they're exciting. You can, you know, if you're an Adelaide fan, I, I think you, you probably walk away after most games going, you know what, we gave it a real crack there. Uh, Adelaide were inaccurate at stages. I thought maybe they missed some opportunities against the Geelong side down there. Playing these good sides, like a Collingwood, and we saw Sydney do this mm. uh, yesterday, and, and a Geelong, if you're going to take... Uh, your chance and to beat these guys, you need to make the most of your opportunities. Absolutely. And look, it's so hard to beat there, aren't they? Geelong, just their ability to, to play the ground better than their opposition. Big, uh, big story out of this is Paddy Dangerfield being subbed injured. off with a hamstring. I really like the access he gave after the game, though. He spoke with Cam Mooney, clearly ex-teammates. I think Moons would have played with Dangerfield. Maybe not. Clearly the same Touch club, yep. given they're both Geelong boys. Uh, basically said he'd done a hamstring. Um, and... I think we could probably look at doing that more across the AFL. How good is it to have a bit of clarity? Right? Dangerfield's done his hammy, so we know, yeah. we know that's happening right Which now. Which is, I mean, again, we're diverting here, but it was a, a victory that you expected Geelong to have, but you're right about the injuries. Mm. And the NFL, we talk about, we use so much out of the American sporting system. We need to get a bit more transparency, yes. we think. Well, I think with, you know, just a clear hand. Hamstring, done. Correct. Move on, um, two or three weeks. So, yeah, danger... Now, is it the worst thing? I mean, he was going to be managed. I mean, you don't yeah. want to get an injury. But, you know, is it a case where Chris Scott this year, looking longer term than this, they're back in business. We, we, they're officially back. I think you'll agree now. Yeah, finally I'll jump on. Yeah, yeah. They so back. they're back, which is great because you've tipped them to go back to back for the flag, which is... Yeah, no, so no, no, it is. about that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's... That, that's like five and four after nine rounds last year and won, I think, every game after that. So they're not that far behind that point. Are they in a position, do you think with the luxury of being able to forget the injury to Dangerfield, to, to manage guys like him with the older list to, to get through well, to... Well, they are, but doing a hammy is never a good thing. No, no. Yeah, and so, you know, what, what goes about with a hamstring injury, you've got to go you know, back to the drawing board, basically, from a strength point of view to your leg. So um, I've done a few hammies. It's probably two weeks of uh, building up back to running, but the really hard stuff comes in the weights room. You, you really go pretty hard on the eccentric, concentric loading skater. Oh, hello. Where's hey. Travis? I know. Go on. Hit me. Know your role and shut your mouth. I know what, what is it called? Them? Yeah. What is it? Eccentric, concentric loading. So you load it up with weight pushing down on it. You load it up with you know pulling weight. So push and pull weights to get your hamstrings stronger and yeah, build yeah. that back up. Right on. I hope you're taking notes, skater. That's <laughs> Eccentric concert, but, just fucking get out there, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he'll, it's not fun. You don't just get a rest. That's no, what no. I'm saying, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if it's a good thing. Cameron kicks just the three. Bit of a quiet day for him. Uh, his tally goes to 33 on the season. Uh, Tom Stewart, he's a star. He had 24 touches and nine intercept possessions. He's top three defenders in the league, and he's probably in the discussion for top 10, 20 players in the league. He's, he's an absolute gun. Yeah, no, and look, so I think Adelaide, there to me, have been the, the most improved side this season. They get beaten by Collingwood in a, you know, a, a breath, 
Yes. And that performance in Geelong, I think Matty Nix won't be overly distressed by that. You, know, you, you get within five goals of the Cats. Um, that's... That's a tick in my mind, without sounding too defeatist. Yeah, I agree. And I said they uh, were pretty inaccurate at times. They kicked 11 goals, 6. So thank you very much, Scott. <laughs> Geelong kicked 14-14, had 28 shots to 17 from Adelaide. And it looks like they were absolutely dead-eyed dick in front of goals. So uh, don't listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. Melbourne defeat Gold Coast by 5. Close one. Yeah, Nail-biter. Absolutely. And McPherson. Had the chance to uh, tie things up. So it was in the final minute, the down final by minute. six. Yeah, watching this at off the stadium. Uh, was kickable, about 40 out, directly in front. And the only thing I would say, the, the, what time would it have been? About seven o'clock at night on the Gold Coast. Ball a bit slippery, a bit of dewy right. condition. So they weren't handling the ball comfortably. But uh, yeah, look, put it this way. You, you give it to, say, Jack Lacocious or Noah Anderson, who had a, had a yes. really big day or night. Up there, yeah, thirty-seven probably, touches. Probably, yeah, that's a that's a great return. Yeah. Is it probably his best game for the club? Same uh, with Matty Rowe. Yeah. Now, so so, they, so therefore, yeah, kickable goal didn't get across the line. There is an issue in this game that I would like to address once you go through some of the well, individuals. I don't have too many more individuals to go through. I mean, Rose has kicked four. That's his best he's ever done. Um, oh, maybe you're going to address the same issue as mine. Is yours humorous or not? No, mine okay. is. Okay, mine what, is. You, you want to go? I'll go humor first. Okay. Matty Rowell, and we'll speak more about this on his back shorts? chat. With some, no, well, his shorts are questionable, and some some other things he does is questionable. He seems like a bit of an odd cat, Rowley. Um, not that I know him, just seen a fair bit going on. That Just a few question marks. Well, no longer question marks. He's he's lost the plot, Rowley, completely lost the How plot. How so? Vision has come out after the game. I was watching this on After the Bounce. He, you know, some players, you know, I've seen Josh Kennedy goes out on the, on the ground barefooted, uh, you know, makes himself at one with the ground and he's lying around in there. So Rowley's doing that. He's bending down. He's rubbing his hands on the grass. That's all fine. Joe Bolton, actually, in, in the waffle, by the way, for Claremont, goes out. I've seen it. He goes out and meditates. Well, that's fine as well. That's not even Rowley. He's oh, okay. not even close to Rowley. He's on his hands. He's pulling the grass, throwing it up. Matty Lloyd style. That's fine. Bit of grass, rubs it on the face. Idiot. I think that's starting to get a little bit weird. He then gets a fucking tuft of grass and puts it in his mouth and chews it up and eats it. Really? You saw that? Mate, it's fucking vision of this bloke eating grass out in the middle of wherever they play, the Gold Coast. Heritage Bank Stadium. What is going... That is outrageous. This is pre-game. Was he around anyone who could see him? He was in his kit, mate, in the no, middle of the ground. But was he... Like, was the teammate, anyone say, mate, what's, what are you doing? <laughs> mate, he's shaking his head. It was like a, rab, like a rabid dog. I don't know what was going on. He's lost it, Rowley. Anyway... There you go. Okay. Matty Rowell lost the plot. Matty Rowell, Matty Rowell uh, in the headline on the, on the grass. Um, <laughs> okay. um, what do you got for us? Well, I just want to say, I think Melbourne need to and will challenge the two-match oh, uh, suspension handed absolutely. out to Jacob Van Royen. I've looked at this vision time and time again. Charlie Ballard, I know he went off the ground. He was, uh, I think, stretched it off. From, 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 from It looked like a neck injury because the way he held his back of his head, the contact was made to the front of it. So I reckon it was a... Nervy neck, you know, so, oh. and so all the best to you. Yeah, him, of course. Right? So we don't right. want any injury, but I just cannot. And I think if they're going to use a, a reference point in some degree, it has to be the Tom Lynch case at the MCG against mm. uh, Alex Keith, I think it was. This to me was, uh, this was a pure football accident. That's my view. I, I think Melbourne should and will succeed on that basis. So, what I mean, I feel like there's a lot of cases being suspended this year more than others i'd love to see some stats on us but what it feels like is happening is um they just see the incident and they've got the 
checkmark box that they use in terms of grading it, you know, low, medium, high impact, uh, intentional, careless, conduct, severe, uh, and then where it is on the body, whether it be low in the body or in the head. And they just go tick, 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 and there's your two weeks. I'll be devil's advocate because shouldn't that be the way we're doing it? Like, isn't, isn't the result this, of yeah, the action? Yes. Well, so there's no nothing on the board when you're grading these actions to do with the injury or any of that. It's the severity of impact that they grade it on. It's where they hit it and it's their intention. That's all they think about. So the fact that he's been giving two weeks is on the base of those three things. And then as they should, they will challenge this and he should get off completely. Isn't that the system working? Could I argue that? Yeah, possibly. And I think you mentioned intent and the intent to, to grade, me, unless you're person to person, you ask him what were you thinking. Exactly, right? but uh, to me, the intent there was not to to do any any damage. I agree. I agree. So we'll wait and see. I Hopefully. hope he doesn't get weeks. That'll be a, a shame. Absolutely <laughs> agree. Uh, we both tip Melbourne. Well, I, everyone who won, you don't need to, you don't need to ask who I tipped. Everyone who won, that's who I tipped. The okay. winner. Let's keep going. Nine. Let's okay. keep going. Western Bulldogs defeat GWS by fifteen. Um, the bond. The Bont is the best player in the game. I think so. Yep. I brought that up on radio yesterday. No, I think he's the most valuable player. Yeah, is he gone? He's the best captain in terms of what he's producing, and he's the quintessential modern-day midfielder. I don't know how tall he is, but he's, just, he's, he's got every element going his way. Contested footy, kicking goals. Uh, when Trelaw goes off with that hamstring... Um, you know, we were, I was at the other game with you, so only watch dispatches of this. Of course, no um, Toby Green pre-game, yep. which is a big blow. Probably the 15-point margin is what Toby Green brings to the table. So they've been brave, the Giants. They were gone at three-quarter time. Could have been a blowout, but they, they kicked, I think, the first three or four goals of the last quarter. So I thought they showed a lot of uh, ticker, but... Uh, the Bulldogs found a way to, to get across the line, and the Bont will pick up the three Brownlow votes for me. Yeah, he had 25 contested possessions. Massive. 14 clearances, 10 of those by half time. Tom Green for the GWS had 38 touches and three goals. That's a game. Uh, Adam Trelaw out with a hamstring. I think they'll miss him. He's important to their structure. Uh, the Bulldogs had nine goal kickers on the night, so they're spreading the love a little bit. I think they'd be happy with that. That seems to suit the way they play. Look, Bontempelli is a gun. Always has been. It's not like he's just sprung up, right? We know he's a good player. Yep. What has changed is they trade Josh Dunkley at the end of last year, and they trade Lockie Hunter as well. There's two players out of their midfield gone. It means Bontempelli isn't playing half forward or on a wing and rotating through. He's the guy. The man. He's the man. Right. Josh Dunkley at times, for a lot a lot of it, was the guy at Bulldogs. And Bontempelli is now the guy. He's an inside bull. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's quicker. He has all those on everything, every other midfielder. And what he does with the footy is that much better than most midfielders, the way he kicks it. You think about the gun midfielders in the competition, Clayton Oliver, I think he's right up there. But he's, he's kicking an, efficiency, he's no one He's not an amazing kick. If you line Bontempelli up next to Oliver, you take Bontempelli 10 out of 10 times. You know, even... You mentioned that, danger. I mean... Dangerfield, t- t- Tim Kelly's having a terrific season, but, but again, those guys don't kick it like Bontempelli. Like nah. he, he can kick a 60-metre worm burner and break lines from a stoppage after he's broken away from four tackles. And he just looks so... So graceful when he does it. He's just a beautiful footballer. He'd be very close, if not guaranteed, to be leading the Brownlow Brown right line, now yeah. because of how he plays. You think about umpires giving votes. You come in. I've been having to give votes at the end of Aquinas games, um, coaching down there. Yep. The, the backs, Skeeter, going very well, 2-0. and zero. Oh, yeah. um, Only one goal let through against Guildford on the weekend. Catholics so. up and about. Okay, there you go. Uh, Do you Brindle- know that it's a Catholic school? Well, not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> you better start learning the rules, brother. <laughs> 
Hey, our father who art in heaven, trust mate, me. Nash is down at the beautiful Catholic yeah. primary school down the road. Of course he is. Um, yeah, well, he is. Uh, Alex, my beautiful wife's also a Catholic. And was, you know, maybe a, well, you just male. an atheist just wandering through life. I'm not an life. atheist. I'm just a person. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's all. You're identifying as a he oh, or she. God, what are you doing? I don't know, mate. Um, but what was I saying, you dickhead? <laughs> I was making a point about something. Right, coaching and giving votes. Yes. It's bloody difficult after a game, like umpires have to do, to give mm. votes. Like I've given the votes in the uh, best on ground in the derby, the waffle grand final. I find it Stressful. bloody hard, and yeah. I've been doing it quite as well. It's bloody hard. So umpires do that every week. But what you go to is like, who had the biggest impact on the game? You just have to think about what Bontempelli does. He might have 19 touches, but you're still, he's right there in front of you and what he totally. does. Right? And look, I'm always interested in the coaches' votes after each Yes. Each round because that, that gives you a, another perspective and yeah. and if you if you take them as a, as a guide I think they're a pretty good guide yeah. as to how they think the sea leading don't know no idea but that, <laughs> I'm just saying he'd be he would be prominent I'm just I'm just throwing up the coaches votes to one that I think again they've been concentrating so much of their own team through the match but they also obviously trying to work out ways to counter the likes of Bonapelli so yes uh, I, my yeah just got a text through he's dominating uh, he's very close to the top of the table and can he, you hit the button please <laughs> no you're rolling shut your mouth. So uh, let's move on. Yeah. Um, who'd you pick? You I, would, I tipped the Bulldogs. Don't, have, that that, don't you... have to ask me. Now, Port Adelaide defeat Essendon by five. Yeah. Uh, this one was, we were watching this as we were calling uh, the Collingwood Sydney game together. Essendon um, were in front a lot of this game, but they, they kicked straight. 13 9 they end up with. Port Adelaide kicked 12 goals, 20. So they, they almost kicked themselves out of this one. Uh, the big ruckman in Phillips has a chance to put him in front. Billy McPherson. Yeah, it was a it was a beautiful kick actually, but he was landed a bit short, meter out with about thirty seconds to go to sort of put him in front and uh, Port Adelaide end up chipping it around to win this game. Yeah, they've won four matches by fourteen points or less. Really? Um, yes. Whereas last year they were doing the opposite. Exactly, and that's a very good point. On Sunday in the first quarter they were belted um, in clearance eight to one. Second quarter they got that back on their terms a little bit, um, and they kicked two seven. I mean. To, to three goals uh, so the, the accuracy early was poor they always look like they're going to win the game yep. given the, their dominance but unable to finish um, they do get the result Essendon to me lose no friends with the way they went about it um, they were efficient early I think they kicked 6-1 in the opening quarter but the concern for Port moving forward apart from the fact that um, you know they've won the game another tight one the kicking for goal has to improve and Junior Rioli, uh, he's in trouble. He's in trouble with the match review officer. Um, Ridley went off now. Not a broken jaw. Not a broken jaw, but concussion. Yeah. Yep. So not 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 the double whammy. It was a weird one. If you haven't seen it, but a couple Ro- of weeks. Do you think? Yeah. Rioli sort of went to block him one? off the ball with a working with Finn Lason as a, as a forward and kind of he, playing with Junior. He's a gun at it. He, he makes it look like he's watching the ball, but he's blocking someone's yep. opponent. And it happens a hundred times a day in in a game. So. It was a bit of an unlucky one. He's act, he ran past and his back arm actually flung around and smacked really in the head. So I don't think he'll be greater with intentional. Definitely, well, he may not even be careless. What's below careless? I think there's like a grading below. Negligent? No. Yeah, negligent sort of thing. So he may not get three weeks. I sort of thought it might have been heading that way. But having seen the incident, I think they'll grade that pretty happily. Burn Jones is a really interesting one. Gone forward. Gone forward. One of best and fairest, all Australian, about two, three years ago. Um for Port Adelaide as a halfback. Um, I asked the question on Twitter a few weeks ago and I had some Port Adelaide fans informed that he, he's just basically hasn't been consistent and he hasn't been playing well and he's been in and out of the team, which I've, I still find weird to have a best and fairest winner that you have in and out of the team. Mm. I mean, usually blokes that do that, 
is just, you know, set and forget for the rest of their careers. So they've put him forward. He kicks two goals. Looks like he's adding something different to him, and it's good to watch. We're going to whip through these ones, Skeeter. Collingwood defeats Sydney by 29 points. We're at this game, probably close to the game of the weekend. Someone finally tagged Nick Dacos, and it worked. I've seen coverage of this game across Twitter, and people people saying they sh- Sydney shouldn't have done what they were doing, and they were going too physical at him, and we don't want our kids watching that sort of behaviour. I have no issue with it. Nick Dacos had 16 touches till three-quarter time. This bloke's been having 45 touches and kicking two goals. Sydney were a goal in it at three-quarter time. The only reason they weren't in front was because they couldn't kick straight in front of goal. It bloody worked. Like, the way that Sydney played against Collingwood worked. And so I've, had, I've seen, I haven't seen any positive stuff about it. Why? They tagged the shit out of him. They were physical. They harassed him. It looked like he, you know... It, oh, it, wasn't, like rat, it wasn't rattled by it, but... It's, no, but it... It, effect, it affected... Put it this way. Sydney put time into it, and you've been calling it Collingwood's for a while. best player, they stopped. So I was shocked they were actually in the game because of it. The concern is, though, that they still won... Pretty comfortably so in the, the last quarter. They dropped the tag in the last quarter. You could see they clearly did it because they had to win. Um, Collingwood comes out and kicks the first two goals of the last quarter, down by three goals. You can't have a bloke following Dacos around. So they drop it. He has 10 in the last and finishes with 25 touches. And again, Sydney had their chances. Speaking about, you know, we bring up all these stats, go, but if they kick straight in the first half, they're probably four or five goals up. Mind you, they probably need to be four or five goals up with the last quarters of Collingwood. You went and rolled out a stat yesterday on radio. I mean, it's just. Four, yeah, they've they've won. They've won. So this isn't one of them because they win by twenty nine. But they've won. They've played in games uh, decided by fifteen points sixteen times in the last eighteen months of so this year and last year. They've won fourteen of them. Extraordinary. It's outrageous. And one of those was the prelim final against Sydney. They fell two points short. Correct. Um, and it was a, a ripper. My check five goals, including not the goal of the year, but certainly a podium finish at this point. Uh, <sighs> that was outrageous. It was terrific. And yeah, they, they, they're just a, they're a sexy team to watch. I know you're talking about um, don't jump on the bandwagon with, with Colin, but they're a good team to watch. Sexy. Like, yeah, they're sexy. They're the best eye candy in the AFL. And t- well, they do. They play attacking brand. Yesterday was a bit more of a grind against Sydney, but no, I'm not a Collingwood supporter, but if you go to the footy in Melbourne against Collingwood versus a big-name big, big name Melbourne club, that's exciting because the, the, the noise, 71,000 there yesterday. That's a big Scott. crowd. That's big. I mean, the day before Richmond, who were on Struggle Street, had 28 against the Eagles. So two interstate sides. Sydney's not going that well, but Collingwood supporters, the competition is healthy when Collingwood is up and about. So uh, kudos to them. Um I will ask you who you tip because you went strongly yesterday saying you're on Sydney, you tipped Sydney, you tipped Sydney on radio, on radio, on radio. Well, I just did that to piss you off because I was. I was oh, hang on, so, so, so which version we bullet? So you tip Collingwood. When I put my tips in here on this show and officially as well, I oh, tip okay. Collingwood. Okay. Right, just trying so to work out. If you'd you. like me to be a yes man and walk on my head and tick some boxes, how many different say, competitions are you in where you're just tipping? Uh, quite a few. <laughs> 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 Can I remember who I tipped? When I, I have to come in here and ask who I tipped. Like, I have no idea what I've done and what I've spoken about. Likewise. Yes, correct. I was going to say, I reckon you're in the same boat, buddy. Uh, St Kilda defeat North Melbourne. Last game of the, no, the week. Not going there. 12 goals between them. It was shot. 0-7 they kicked in the first no. half, North Melbourne. Don't want to know about it. Mate, that is one of the most putrid scorelines you've ever seen. Under the roof with foxes, with or without foxes running around, Four goals, 10. They didn't kick a goal till after half time, North Melbourne. Oh. And St Gilda, on the other hand, it's not like they kicked a thousand points. Eight goals, 16. Revolting. Um, oh. There's talk that it's as bad as yeah. go back to Just 2002. Like no. oh. yeah, 2002, St Kilda versus Sydney. Apparently, it was like four goals apiece or something. Putrid. North Melbourne goalless in the first half. First time North Melbourne have been goalless in the first half since. Answer the, give me the quick answer. I don't know. <laughs> Guess. Oh, a year. 
Oh, 1897. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no. Goalless in the first half, oh, 1897. Yeah. When was the last time they were goalless in the first half? 1897. Oh, okay. So we're we talking the last 30 years? 120 years ago. I don't Seriously. know. When's the last time they kicked a goal in the first half? I'm asking it... you. Have a oh, guess. Okay. A proper guess. Is it easy or hard? Because <laughs> I've got no <laughs> freaking idea. Um, let me think. They've been shot for a fair while, so I'm going to say... Uh, Three years ago. 1979. There you so go. I knew it was a long time ago. 1979. <laughs> 1897. You alive then? Um, <laughs> Ross Lyons should be banned from coaching if that's the sort of crap they've got to watch though. But have you heard Deflategate? St Kilda players said that the balls were flat. Oh, really? Yeah. Wilkie came out after the game and said the balls were flat. They didn't pump the balls up. That's so, why they don't think they could kick them properly. Well, neither team could. Yeah, they genuinely saying <laughs> the balls right? were flat. That'd be interesting if heard someone that. forgot to pump them up. That's extraordinary. Anyway, that's we've, I reckon we've spent three minutes longer than we should have on a game that will we'll go down as the worst so far this year. It could be the worst of the decade. And you know what? I can say this even though I didn't see the game. <laughs> I didn't see the game. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Shelter Footycast, Mark Reddings, Will Schofield. Uh, I want to say to Matty R, um, I've read your email. It's do as I say, not as I boo. Very I good like heading. Yeah. It's quite lengthy. He speaks about the booing of players. Yep. Um, doesn't like it, uh, especially around Jason Horn Francis. Um, it feels like a bit of a hazing The Apprentice or a, you know any other workplace bullshit Bullying? going on. Australia have got a real tall, tall poppy syndrome thing. Oh, I'm not I, sure that's right. I mean, let me e- EPL players, you know, I reckon they cop grief. I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's not right. Booing Although, this kid and many others in the past feels like a real drink, a cup of co- concrete mentality born in part from jealousy or envy. No one is meant to like work and people seem real annoyed that a 19-year-old kid got to leave a workplace they didn't enjoy for a different one. Even if we win the spoon, I guess the Eagles have that over North Melbourne. Uh, that's a little clip on the way out from Matty. Yeah, I mean, look. The whole booing thing, I mean, we've covered we've it. We've so. covered it, but put it this way. I've got no real issue. I sometimes come home from work mm. and people, you know, I get booed. Almost daily by you my family, booed. just by my girl, daughters. Get, yeah, just like, booed. Booed. I girls, young, boo, I get jeer, I get <laughs> abused. So, no, there's no love at times in my house. I'm used to it. You know what? Put on your big boy shorts and get going. Just just roll through it, Skull. You'll get there one day, trust me. Oh, my me. God. Let's imagine Skeeter coming in thinking he's going to get cheered. <laughs> oh, welcome. Yeah. Hi, Dad. How's your day? Boo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's someone. <laughs> <laughs> Shelter XBAX Factor. We give this one away every week, oh, Skeeter. Yeah. Oscar Allen's getting this one. Is Four he? goals. Well, give me who no, else no, should get it? No, Andy Brayshaw. No, well, Brayshaw or Jackson, but mate, I'm happy to, to go down because given Oscar Allen four goals. Given the Eagles' trials and tribulations, shite team. Oscar, would he would he drink them with fervour at the end of the season? Uh, I think so. Yes, he looks like those. a bit of a, a sort of a, a wine man to me, just just at first glance. All right, I'm going to send that and clip that to Ola. ask Oscar. No, I think that's a compliment, by the way. Yeah, I think you're. A, Wine man? No. Oh well, I'm not drinking anything at the moment. But I'm getting real. How many days left? Uh, I've done forty. This is 44, 45. Is there a chance you continue it on? I'm, or I, you, I'm or actually considering going through one more weekend, which would take it into the fifties. So you are you're not considering just stopping drinking? No, no. Well, I just think, other, as my wife says, I'm bloody boring when I'm off it, and, <laughs> and so so all of us, including you, and, yeah, and I don't get to drink this, the shelter, correct. which so I've got to get back on it. So shelter footycast, you've been with us. It's been great. Email us footycast at shelterbrewing dot com dot au. You can follow us on Instagram. 
watch us on YouTube, uh, listen to us as a podcast. You're doing both of those. Tell your friends about it. It'd be great to get some reviews as well if you want to give us a five-star review, Skeeter. Um, like an Uber. Yeah, correct. But you wouldn't know how to do either. So there you go. Mark Reddy's Will Schofield, Dunn and Dustin. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 